Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Okay, I have a random question for you. I'm here. At what age do you think children are ready to go to Disney World? Ooh, ready or like will remember? Both? I think they're ready by like four or five and may show interest. I think the prime age should go as probably in the like seven, eight. However, I would be mindful that your child, if they think they're 30, that like you probably need to go sooner than you want to go. <laughs> you wouldn't be talking about my child, would you? <laughs> So I think most children would enjoy it the most at seven, eight. I think Penny specifically <laughs> would probably enjoy it sooner rather than later, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go to Harry Potter world. Yeah. I don't think she's ready for Harry Potter world. because nope. She is still afraid of some things. I would do Disney in the next year or two. And I would do Harry Potter more when she's like 10. Hmm. I just, I want to go, I might go twice then. I want to go to Harry Potter now <laughs> for myself. Well, I want to go to Disney as an adult. Like I want to go to Harry Potter in London. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I would go to Harry Potter in Florida first because it's easier. Sure. But I also want to go in London. Well, just as a reminder, my sister has gone. Uh-huh. So if you would like some intel... I from. would absolutely love some intel. Maybe <laughs> I think what I'm talking this out loud, I feel like I'm coming to the conclusion that like me and a friend need to go to Harry Potter yes. alone. Yes. And then I can take Penny to Harry Potter later. We're trying to get Brian's because Brian's parents started asking about Disney World, which is what brought up the conversation. And, you know, we have two nephews. They're very young. And so I don't think the whole family as a group is ready. But the downside is, is I think when they're ready to take the family. She's not going to appreciate it as much. No, because mm -hmm. she's the oldest. Yep. I went when I was eight and loved it, but we went to Epcot because I was too old for Disney. Like, cause I was a 30 year old child as well. Uh -huh. And so Disney was too, I don't want that. And people in costumes just scare the shit out of me, regardless of what you look like. So we went to Epcot and I got like the passport and we went to every country and I got a stamp in my passport and I got to like feel like I was an international traveler and it was great. Yeah, I went and I got food poisoning. That sounds right for you. Do you get food poisoning everywhere you travel? That was a very common thing as a child. I would get food poisoning 
almost everywhere I went. But that time it took out most of my family. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So we went to, I very specifically have a vivid memory of my mom asking us before we went, would you prefer we go to the Disney luau with like the characters or a traditional like traditional real luau? And I chose traditional. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Because of the food? Mostly because of the food, but also it was kind of creepy. Like, oh, yeah, sure. I was kind of freaked out by the like, yeah. Male dancers shaking yeah, their Yeah, I would have picked traditional as well. I'm just like, I like Disney, but I'm not like, I'm not a Disney adult. I'm just not. I have a friend of mine who's very much a Disney adult and they went before they even got married. Like, I don't even know if they were engaged and she had never gone to Disney and she never went to Disney mm. as a kid. And so she was like, before we get married and have kids, I want to go to Disney because I don't want my first time going to Disney be with children. And I think that that's totally valid. And I love that they did that. So I kind of feel the same way about Harry Potter. Like I want to go to Harry Potter world by myself and not have to like trapeze around with my child. But like if she's going to be 10 anyways, how fun is that going to be? Oh my God. So good. I do think I would love to go to Harry Potter with yeah, you. If yeah. you would Maybe we need a workcation at Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. We can just go to Florida. Right? Yeah. I want to go it. during food and wine festival or oh, okay. or there is a flower festival at Disney as well. Either one of those I would love to go as an I think ooh, that's a hard choice. I know. I would have to see the the timings. Timings on the calendar. The timings on the calendar. <laughs> Well, if y'all have any specific feedback about age, like if you have children who you've recently taken to Disney or are planning on it, and you have a mature child, because my child is mature in general, but she's also an only child, and that just makes you more mature. And she's the oldest in the family on both sides. And so she's got everything going for her to make her elderly. And so if you have that same type of child and have found a ripe age to take them on trips like that, please let me know. Yeah. And I thought I was too old, but I wasn't too old, but I was right, I right. was convinced I was too old. Yes. 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 Yeah. I'm in a family of elderly children. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's very familiar to me, <laughs> this predicament. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad we ironed that out. Penny, I hope you thank me for the rest of your life for, <laughs> for battling for you to go sooner rather than later. Yes. <laughs> Well, before we get started, I want to specifically invite you to fill out a super quick demographic survey. And if you didn't get Emily's previous threat to fill it out. Do you want me to threaten you again? Do it. If you want this show to continue to be free and delivered to you twice a week for the rest of your life, then you need to spend 30 seconds of your time filling out the survey. Please and thank you. Bossproject.com slash survey. Super, super quick, very basic, high level demographic information. We would super appreciate it. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Our agent would appreciate it. Yeah. Did you know we got an agent? Y'all, we have an agent. We have an agent. An agent. Prepare to see us everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's how that works, but we're going to infiltrate everything that you do. (gasps) Yeah. But be prepared to hear us more often because things are coming. Things are coming. I'm very excited. Okay. Okay. So we're going to set up, you know, we've done these episodes like the way that we're going to do, we're going to set this one up before, but it's been 87 years since we've done one like this. And so I'm I'm like kind of excited for this. So 
occasionally there will be a topic that gets brought up that like one of us is more knowledgeable about than the other. Sure. And while I definitely have opinions, you sit more in this seat within our business. And so this is going to be a little interview style. You know, we stopped doing guests on this show like forever ago and y'all seem to love it. So thanks for that. (laughs) That was not sarcasm. Truly. Thanks for that. But this is a way that we can feel like we're having a guest on the show. Questions, Emily. (laughs) Oh, hello, Abigail. Welcome to the show. This is the Strategy Hour podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. It's almost like I've done this before. It's almost like you've sat through 637 of these episodes Well, and the real testament is I don't know how many have been repeats or how many times. Now, it doesn't happen very often, but there are a few solo shows. So I don't actually know how many I've personally recorded. Yeah, yeah. But I would probably venture to guess over 600. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I feel like I've only done one or two solo shows. I feel like I did more solo shows than you have. Yeah, you definitely have. But for, I mean, various reasons. Anyway. Okay, you ready? I'm excited to be your guest today. So today, Abigail, thank you for coming on. And I know that you are, you know, the CFO over at Boss Project. Yeah. And you sit in HR as well. And you have worked hand in hand with some pretty incredible HR peeps to really learn about the hiring process for a company. And you have (laughs) single-handedly... shifted your team from it being just you and your incredible, beautiful, stunning, so smart co-founder, Emily, love her Yeah. to exploring contractors and like making some mistakes along the way to exploring part-time employees, full-time employees, and pretty much everything in between. And you have started to have these conversations with your clients inside the incubator about hiring. Mm-hmm. And have had conversations here on this very show about hiring. And we got some incredible conversations and some questions that I want to cover with you today sure. to pick your brain, to get your feedback, and to really give some advice and some things to think about for y'all to noodle on no matter where you're at in your journey. Because I want you to all know, even if you're not like putting out your next job offer on LinkedIn tomorrow for a full-time employee, do people put on LinkedIn? On Indeed. Maybe you put it on LinkedIn. See, I don't know. This is why I'm not the guest of this episode. <laughs> you do put it on LinkedIn as well. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. great. <laughs> Even if you're not ready yet for your first or next full-time employee, if you've thought about going from a one-person show to like exploring what does a part-time contractor look like to what does a full-time contractor look like or more hours to employees, et cetera, I think this conversation is going to be very helpful for you and we're going to like dig into the weeds. Yeah. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the very, very basic level, what is the actual difference between a contractor and an employee? The actual difference is when you are hiring a contractor, you are in fact their client. There is a contract in place that covers what your relationship is for and the nature of the work being done inside that contract, how that work is handled, the schedule of it, it's all dictated by the actual contract, which is why you call it a contractor. An employee is typically an at-will relationship where you're both mutually agreeing to be in the relationship. And at-will employee will have a set schedule, set hours, set things by the company. So rather than coming to a mutual agreement, the company is in charge of what the employment looks like and has much more control over 
how training is done and all the other things. In terms of legally, an employee would be W-2, a contractor would be 1099, at least in the United States. And under W-2, you would have taxes withheld. The company would be responsible for some of them. Under 1099, there would be self-employment tax. There's lots of different tax implications and various legal implications on the differences, but they operate very differently. And I think if you're trying to just look at the bare bones basics of it, an employee does have a bit more complication on the setup but a lot more freedom in what the relationship can evolve into over time. Yep. Love that. Okay. So if you consider yourself a one person show, a one woman show, a solopreneur, and you want to keep your team, your business, your brand, your company slim and trim for the foreseeable future, Mm -hmm. what are some recommendations that you have for that person who's like, I'm not fully ready yet for a human being and that responsibility. What are some levers that I can pull that can feel like I'm getting support? Yeah. So I think before you hire, what I would really look at is how is your business operationally functioning? And is there systems or tools you can specifically rely on to automate bits and pieces of your process that would free up more of your time? Because when you're working by yourself, your time is your hottest commodity. How Mm -hmm. much you're getting paid is a choice, but your time, it's either there or it's not. Like you Mm -hmm. have it or you don't. And you can always change your price, but the time is your limited resource. And so getting time back is usually one of the biggest, most important levers you need to be able to pull. And so Mm -hmm. I think having really quality software to back you up as, as someone who has in the past prided themselves on being cheap, (laughs) I tended to bootstrap a lot of things before I really invested in software and I would hack together a lot of systems, but over time integrations are your friend. Mm-hmm. I really love software that talks to other software. I really love powerful tools. And right now, more than ever, as a solo business owner, you have so many things at your disposal that are much cheaper um, mm-hmm. and available to you than humans. Yeah. However, I can't stress enough how much a human element may mm-hmm. be the lever you actually need to grow. If you just simply want your time back, you can do a lot with systems. Yeah. You you can definitely optimize. I think that you could create almost a very, very junior level admin of results by first streamlining and optimizing systems. But that's That's not necessarily going to grow your business. Right. It's going to get a little bit of your time back. It's going to make processes more efficient. You're going to feel better, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily going to change a lot. Right. But would you agree that you feel like that that part, setting that up and figuring out what those should be, you should do first before you bring on someone to implement some of those systems? Yeah, I think early on in your business, I don't think this makes sense forever, but Definitely for the first several hires in your business, I think it's really critical that you have sat in the seat and you have Mm -hmm. done the work and you understand what needs to be done to make that thing function. I think it's a lot harder 
to hire for things that you don't personally understand. And not that you can't hire help for things you don't understand, but usually those need to be much shorter term projects. If it's a core part of your business, I think it's really critical that you take the time to learn. And or knowing that you're hiring a subject matter expert contractor for that type of position. Yeah, so, right. Like bookkeeping, accounting, Right, Facebook there's something you don't have to do. The subject matter expert is, there's reasons to pull that in. But when we're talking about like day-to-day operations and the core of what your business right. does, I think right. it's really essential that you know how it works. Like I feel like the number one hiring mistake that people make is I feel like most people's first hire is some sort of marketing or social media manager. No. And it doesn't work. No. For 10,000 You know, reasons. not that I think there is a right answer to what you should be your first hire, but I think you really need to be thinking about what is the thing that's taking the most time, but is the least skill required to Mm -hmm. complete it. Mm -hmm. And for us, that was a lot of admin work. So answering Mm -hmm. emails, responding to customers, handling some low level customer service, calendar management, that kind of thing. And I was shocked (laughs) how much time that gave back to Mm -hmm. us to allow us to focus on other things. Yeah. Well, and before people get grouchy with me in the DMs, if you offer social media management to your clients, baby, you were not their first hire. I am not saying your role isn't important and crucial, no, and but no. you were not their first hire. It, I just don't think you should be their first hire. Right. That's what I'm saying. So pay attention to my words before you yell at me. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So we got a couple questions from a client that I would love to hear you kind of pick apart because I do still feel like people are so overwhelmed at the idea of hiring Mm -hmm. and it's stressful because you don't know what you don't know. And the act of like committing to employees seems like really expensive and committal. And like, you could make a ton of mistakes and what if this happens? And I will say that like being on the other side of it after a significant amount of time, like it does get easier. It's not to say that it's not complicated and that there aren't like a lot of things that are involved in that, but my head has wrapped around it a lot more. But here are a couple of questions from a client You can pick one that you feel like you are equipped to answer right now, but here's some of the things that she's asking. How much structure is too much structure or freedom, she says, for a new employee versus a contractor? Like that could be a whole conversation. How do you scale a business that depends on your client interaction, like with coaching? Where do you hire if that's how you serve? How do you prepare your business for your first hire? So she's thinking a lot about structures. And then when do you know that you are ready to hire? I think those are like at least four hours worth of yep, conversation. Yep. So just the podcast version. Okay, so in terms of some things to be thinking about, let's talk about want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business. I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. 
Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I guess structure first. I think it's essential to be as you're working and if you're thinking about hiring as a growth mechanism rather than just a freeing up your time, because I think that's what most people want. I think what you have to decide, though, from a structure perspective (laughs) is first and foremost, what can you afford? Mm -hmm. And sometimes what you can afford is only what's going to give you more time. You may not be able to afford what's going to grow your business. And I think that's a hard, that feels frustrating. Like, but you likely, and here's my experience with it. You likely, if you can afford only to free up your time initially, then you will be the growth mechanism. You free up your time, then you are the person that's growing the revenue, doing the other work. Because now you have this years to get someone on the team that actually helped us with growth. Yes. It took a lot of time. And so I would not panic if that's the state you're in because it's okay to simply give space back to yourself because I think you would be surprised when you are attempting to manage every department and every aspect of your business 
how that you likely are doing many of these jobs poorly and you're not really <laughs> accepting that that's true. And so because of that, you continue to hold on to everything. Yeah. And sometimes it getting done 80% as well as you would have done it. Yeah. But the amount of time it frees up is going to be more beneficial to you long-term. And so- I would start to look at the areas, and this is just me making an assumption based on this season of clients that we have right now and the conversations we've been having. Sure. This may not be true forever, and it may not be true for you. However, I do feel like most business owners Uh struggle with follow through. So the reason why you and I are so successful is because where I struggle with follow through, you excel at. Mm -hmm. And so we are able to vision and come up with cool ideas and move forward with them and delegate and follow through to completion, not only because of that's one of your skills, but we also have the team to support it. Now, what I see happening a lot with clients is that if you are a one person show and you like have great conversations with potential clients and connectors and you get on the phone with discovery calls or you get that proposal, you struggle with the follow through of wrapping up those conversations to turn it into something or wrapping up this client to get your final invoice or following through with this conversation to move this forward, right? Because well, you, you don't start. have the time like because you're right. so worried about the next thing. Right. And- Which makes sense. But so I would look at where you're following off that's literally leaving money on the table. I can't tell you how many service providers we've seen where I'm like, honey, you have an invoice for how much work this year because you just like forget or you don't have time or you don't have the systems in place. Like that would be well worth your money to bring in someone that's Mm -hmm. just going to be the person coming behind you and like sending that email and sending that proposal and poking this person and doing these things. Like if that's what gets you paid. Right. I do think it's important to think about where are you operating in your business and you've gotten to the point where you're just like kind of over or resenting pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Because the over or resenting it, one of two choices have to be made. Like, is it just no longer serving you and you need to let it go and like actually cut it off? Or are you starting to ignore an essential piece of your business Mm -hmm. that is hurting you because you're ignoring it? And I think more often than not, solopreneurs will have a piece of the puzzle that they're maybe not even intentionally, but they are doing just enough to get by, but it's not as much as it could be that would really give them the ultimate. Yeah result there. And so like, I was getting to the point just to give you an example. So I think you can feel better with email. (laughs) Mm. Email got so bad that I had volunteer organizations that I was working with that start calling me asking if I was okay, because (laughs) I was no longer responding. Yeah. And like, I got so overwhelmed and so drained and so like, I couldn't talk to anyone. Yeah. And so I know that seems like a really extreme example, but then you might end up where you're like, well, it's so far gone. I'm just like following up with a potential client. It's so far gone. It's been so long since I touched base with them. I'm just going to pretend like we never had that discovery conversation. Right. Right. 
Right. And so like, where are you kind of failing yourself or failing where your are you ghosting places in your business? Right. Yeah. Specifically leaving the money on the table. Yes. Cause even if it's not growing, right. if it just meant that you had a better experience for getting, people, so you're getting more paid. quality referrals yeah, and you were exactly. getting paid appropriately. I saw this funny TikTok where this person, true or not, this definitely sounds like something I would do. They came back from mat leave. So they were gone for however long sure. and they come back and they pull up their work inbox and there's a shit ton of emails in there. Right. And they just select all delete. Oh no. And oh, they no. said, they said, if the person really wanted to reach out, they'll reach back out. And I'm like, that is how I live my life. Well, <laughs> and Abby hates it. Oh, well, and so be- anyway, <laughs> I have lots of things to say about She's that. Trauma- I've triggered her. Uh, it's the way you're saying that, though, regardless if it's email for you or not, there is probably somewhere in your business where you're like, essentially doing this select all delete yeah, select all delete <laughs> like yeah and so i want you to th- just think about where are you letting yourself down where are you letting your clients down where are you not following through on something i do have a question for you <laughs> i know you're supposed to be interviewing me but i do have a question <laughs> for you do you think everyone should have at least one contractor before they hire an employee ooh okay it's kind of hard for me to answer this because my gut response was yes, because it like it's a lower commitment yeah. situation yeah. to learn how to delegate. You can practice yeah. for better, <laughs> for better or right? for worse, for, for worse better or for worse. <laughs> you can practice with someone who maybe you have to just give two weeks notice, or you can end the contract immediately, or it's a set end date. You can kind of really practice your like literal interpersonal skills and communication Uh skills and how do I delegate this? And you can learn a lot, whether that's fair to the contractor or not. That's definitely true. The downside though, if starting with a contractor is is that- It complicates the relationship. Is it complicates the relationship, but you also aren't practicing skills that are required to communicate with an employee because yeah, it is it's different. Just so different. It's yeah. so different. And truly, I had to do so much unlearning, so mm-hmm. much unlearning on how to interact with contractors when we switch to employees. And I feel like I'm just now in the groove of being like, oh, I can do this and say this and act like this and ask for this and communicate in this way or whatever, because it is truly different. So I feel like if you're wanting to practice, do it for like, Three months, six months. Don't, don't do it for like stay three there years. for two years. Three no, years. No, 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 no. That's what we did, and I do feel like we could have done it sooner. I would have done it sooner. I think I still would have done it. Agreed. Yeah, because yeah. I think there is some magic in having help for even ten to fifteen hours a month. Yes. That if I hadn't experienced that, I don't think I would have seen the value in what an employee could do for me. Sure. Okay. So that moves us into this next question. And I think that this is the root of a lot of people's fear around employers. So she asked, employee versus contractor is a big one for me. And I know we talked about the basic definition at the beginning, but specifically she said, I haven't wanted all the extras that having an employee comes with. Uh But with my family's potential move out of state, it's going to be a necessity. And I know nothing about the process. So I think there's a lot to break down here. There's a couple misconceptions I feel like that are being talked about in this question. 
because uh-huh. you can have contractors out of state, like whether yeah. you move or not, that part's irrelevant. I have follow-up questions, but basically when it comes down to all the extras that having an employee comes with, I'm assuming she means like the paperwork and the, what do yeah. you offer and like all of those things. Yeah. Okay. So I think first to clear something up on the contractor side, it's really straightforward and ter- like you can have contractors anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And because of the nature of the work, they are responsible for the tax implications on their person. Yep. You just have to file paperwork that you paid them. Yep. So we've had international contractors before. On the employee side, if I would start with domestically in your country, it does get significantly more complicated to hire internationally. For an employee. For employees. Yep. And I would also be mindful of time zone if it's super crucial to how you run your business. Yes. I do think that's a big thing you should pay attention to because we used to hire anywhere in the world for contractors. And then we made a switch after we'd been doing it a while to United States only literally for time zone specific reasons. Yep. And, but the thing to keep in mind is because you can't dictate when your contractors Mm -hmm. work, even if they're in your time zone, if they can only do the work on nights and weekends, then, then you are subject to their schedule. But when you get into employees, you have to be registered in the state in which they reside. But personally, you do not have to register in that state until you've hired them. So most state level paperwork isn't actually filed until after you've paid them their first paycheck. So it's not just hiring them. Like you've literally mm-hmm. sent them their first W-2 wages before or like you- one of our employees who their state took like three months. <laughs> well, yeah. And even still, they have their own schedule. And mm-hmm. I just want to like encourage you that there is so much help when it comes to paperwork. Yes. While there is complication there, it is a lot more straightforward than I think you might realize if you use a payroll provider. So we use Gusto and have had great luck with them. There are several other payroll providers out there that similarly will handle the paperwork. This is a new concept. Like within the last five to yeah. 10 years, you could have a staff that is all over the country and you could work with a payroll provider that would handle all your quarterly filings. Previously, if you had employees, it made way more sense to be completely local, like potentially even in your own county mm-hmm. to prevent all the headaches of having to file in multiple places. But because payroll providers have made that so simplified, that's not super crazy. The state paperwork, you can use an outside resource like CorpNet and they will actually file in the state for you. Now there is a cost and expense to that and the cost varies depending on the complication of the filing. But within a couple hundred dollars, Mm-hmm. Two, I would say two to, I think we paid as much as a thousand to file within a state, but that's an upfront expense. I think the biggest thing with employees that you have to be thinking about is the other things you want to budget for. Most employees, you could budget 20% above their wages and handle all your personal taxes and like 
some basic benefits when you start to add like full health coverage or a comprehensive 401k with matching or other benefits then you may have to really budget for more like we're at the point where it's like 25 or 30 percent above their salary for all the other benefits we offer and that Mm -hmm. includes our costs not just what they earn so mm-hmm. all in, we have a way to predict what it's going to cost the company. But I think what's surprising is when you get it down to like dollar per hour, an employee is a lot more, in my opinion, affordable yeah. coverage than I think you might realize yeah. because you are paying a premium because you're paying for so many fewer hours of someone's time. Right, right. Yes. And when you switch to the employee cost, the what you pay them also comes through your benefits and the work-life schedule that you might have. And there are other benefits that might not be financial benefits. Yeah. And we've talked about this in a couple episodes too, of how to ethically support your team when it comes to not just paying them a super sexy salary that you maybe can't even afford. Right. right but that's right. a whole other conversation. Right. Totally. Okay. So the last question, because we could keep going for hours. I want to wrap this up because we've gotten a variation of this question a couple of times. So it's mostly about the conversation of, should I hire one person at 25 hours or two people at like eight to 10 hours each? And what's the benefit of either? I would hire one person. Same. First of all, when you start to get below a certain threshold of hours, they are likely one of a couple of things has happened. More than likely, you're talking about contractors at that point first. Mm -hmm. But also when you're in that like anything under 15 hours a month, you are likely looking at a VA who Mm -hmm. is operating a business where they're serving a multitude of clients. Mm -hmm. And now not only are you at the whim of the contractor themselves, but the priorities of every other business owner they're choosing to work with. And sometimes you're not going to win in terms of Mm -hmm. priority. And the thing that I think is really hard to grapple with when you're in that situation is at the end of the day, they're more worried about their own business, yep, not yours. And so while you may get the amount of time you're talking about, in terms of value, they're not all in. They're not mm-hmm. like fully vested in your value mm-hmm. system or your mission or what you're trying to accomplish as a company. And so they're going to do what any smart contractor is going to do and do the least amount that they can get away with to like keep their customers satisfied. But I think the benefit of potentially working with one person on a much larger package is you're more likely to be a bigger portion of their time and thus in their mind, a bigger priority. Yep. Yep. And so when you're a bigger priority, I do think you get more of their attention, more of their buy-in, more of their willingness to like sit within your value system. But at the end of the day, a contractor is still operating their own business as a business owner. And they're going to be thinking about their best interests all the time. Not that you want to have an employee that's not thinking in their own best interest, but it's just different because they, in most 
instances, they feel more stable, yeah. like they're in a reliable source of income. Whereas a contractor, you may be paying them for X number of hours, but if they're not booked out, right. they're thinking about how am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to book out the rest of my holes? They're thinking about how to get more clients too. Yep. Now, and I'll just add this two cents before we wrap. When you bring the conversation to part-time employees versus full-time employees, I would rather you start with one, if you can only afford part-time and that's what you have right now, start with one part-time instead of two part-times in two different positions. Start with one, get your feet on the ground, get your systems figured out, be like connected with that person to like learn things and get through the learning phase of now I have employees. Don't be afraid to market for a part-time employment position. There are plenty of people out there who are looking to either transition out of a career and that's the perfect phase or they want to add on something. They already have a part-time job. Well, they're they're out there. With a part-time employee specifically, you're usually looking at more like the 15 to 30 hours a week. Yeah. Not 15 to 30 hours a month. Right. And so because of that, more than likely you're either their only job or one of maybe two to three max. Yeah. And so because of that, their also their mentality is just different. So we've had really good luck with a part-time employee. I do think we're at the point in our business where I would always hire full-time, but that's for many other reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that was helpful for y'all. If you want to have Abby back on our show, then you need to make <laughs> sure you submit questions over at Boss Project on Instagram, slide into our DMs, ask her anything and maybe I'll bring her back on next week. (laughs) Well, and if this feels like we just grazed the surface, it's because we did. did. There's so much to be talking about here. And we are covering hiring a team and creating that support system in depth inside of our incubator program. And so if you are a solopreneur, even if you have a small team and you're just trying to figure out how do you really manage people? How do you make the culture is right? How do you make this transition? What do you need to be budgeting for? If you're asking yourself these types of questions or you feel like I really just answered a little tiny percentage of what's being said, I promise you we're diving into this so much deeper. So I encourage you to submit your application. The first step is simply to go to bossproject.com slash apply. Take five to 10 minutes, fill out your application, and we can start the conversation with the lens of now I know what goals you're working towards and I can Mm -hmm. figure out the best way our team can help you. And I'm really excited to chat. Yep. And if you liked having Abby on the show, then go leave us a five-star review and a rating over on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.